0: Do they think we got three Rod Brandamores, or what? I think I started lifting real light weights when I was like 12. Now listening to the Rod the Podcast with your host Jordan Betts and Mike Men.
1: All right, Mike, it is great to be back uh, here in the studio with you. It's been almost three months to the day since I've been in here, really working hard for my bod- podcast commission. Um, how are we doing, buddy? Doing well, you know. Happy to be back recording and have a little
0: conversation about what's going to happen.
1: Absolutely. You know, I keep saying this, the November-December timeline just gets so convoluted uh, in my work schedule, and then you got sick, and then we've been all over the place, but i um, happy to be here and want to talk some canes with you. Let's do it. All right, buddy. So... Kind of overview of what we're going to talk about this episode. Uh, touch on All-Star Weekend uh, with Andrei Svechnikoff uh, representing Carolina Hurricanes. Talk outdoor game. Talk about the sweaters. Upcoming schedule. First half thoughts. And go a little deeper on uh, trade deadline preview. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. Let's start with uh, All-Star Weekend. Like I mentioned, Svech was down there representing the Canes. Uh, really kind of you know deserving of course but kind of underwhelming for carolina to once again only get one representative uh, with martin Natchez really being kind of the biggest snub in my mind what about you
0: yeah i would agree with that and i mean if this was if we were in new york or something like that i think you could argue that aho should be there as well um a lot of it is market dependent and viewer driven and the reality is we have a small market so we're not going to get the benefit of the doubt most of the time so it is what it is the whole voting process where you have the fans vote totally a sham (laughs) and the canes clearly blow it out of the water for martin aches and then somehow he's not the guy selected it's just it's the NHL doing what the NHL wants to do while also driving interaction, and it Mike, works. Mike, are you telling
1: me you think those three players from the Metro were previously selected didn't matter about the result of the think, fan vote? I think there's no denying it, to yeah, be hey, th- I, Honestly, I, I'm not too upset that Adam Fox and uh, the bread man were elected into the fan vote. It was is more the third option from the Islanders. I'm blanking on the name right now. That Sorokin. Sorokin, yeah. there you go. That eh, I mean, deserving, but... How's the team that has won this, you know, won the division last year, is leading it this year, um, won whatever you want to call that, um, COVID year, central division? So, you're tracking for three straight division titles and in three years has had three total all star. It's, it's just not right. Yeah. That's North Carolina, baby. Yeah, it is. Um, but good things ahead for North Carolina and the Canes. We'll, we'll touch on the our, our, the outdoor game here in a bit, you know. Rod Brendamore was also represented uh, to coach the Metro Division. For those of you who haven't uh, had the time, please go listen to his appearance on uh, Spit and Chicklets. It's really insightful, um, talking about his career, his transition into coaching. Um, it's just really great. You don't see uh, Rod out there and that transparent, uh, talking about himself and, and the organization that often worth your time, about 40 minutes with those guys.
0: Yeah, I thought it was Really good. Um, whenever we do get Rod on the podcast, it'll be better, but it's a good warm up for whenever Rod does get on the podcast. So, you no, know, he's
1: got to get his feet wet with the podcast medium before he can come up to the big leagues of Finland's number one hockey podcast. He was appreciative of the
0: Chicklets crew for the research they've done. And uh, let's just say that it's going to be a little more. Uh, there's going to be a little more effort on this end. There already has been. I, I already have. St- a list of questions in my phone. <laughs> I'm prepared for uh, a street You're just interview. Gonna like bump
1: into him on the street. Yeah. Next time I hey, see Rod, him. Hey, Rod.
0: It's too bad that we're not playing uh, the. We don't have the checkers in Bojangle Coliseum anymore. Because I could run into him in the <laughs> bathroom
1: line and just hit a quick interview. I'm sure that would really have made his life. Yeah, I mean, Rod would just- love it. So uh, any other than Rod and Svetch uh, thoughts on the all-star game skills competition, obviously once again, the three on three format for the game, any, any ideas there? I, it feels like to me, and I'll, I'll pitch it over to you that the skills competition has gotten pretty tired but, Yeah, you know, if the guys are going to be there, you understand people not wanting to get hurt. They're losing vacation time, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, we can't even give effort on like, the the shootout portion. I mean, what what are we doing here? Like,
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's just the all-stars go and have a good time and as they should have a few brews, have a few, few cocktails and go out there and see what happens on the ice. I just, yeah, I I don't think there's a lot of buy-in from players across the league in wanting to participate. I think that the things they do, like you mentioned, are tired and old and, they're trying to target the younger demographic, but then they're throwing back to like happy Gilmore and stuff like yeah, that. I mean, it's, it's all this it's, it's missing the mark. You're they're, miss, they're missing the target a hundred percent. So I don't, they've, they've got to figure it out. Will they it, figure it, really it out? It really
1: should be a fun event. And you know, Vegas last year, South Florida this year, pivoting back to Toronto in 2024 uh, for the first time since the early two thousands. I mean, We'll see. I mean, that that feels like it might be a little bit more of a traditional uh, hockey experience. This might have been on Spit and Chicklets. I'm blanking right now, but I, I did like the idea that I've heard recently that maybe instead of making it division oriented, you make the three on three almost like a uh, draft oriented. I think. Draft oriented or like nation represented like you have like a couple canadian teams you know finland sweden united states and kind of split the guys up that way so you have some sort of uh nationalism feel to it to you know incentivize the guys to play a little harder i mean you know the, the money is the million dollars is clearly not a super strong motivation for these guys what i will say is i mean one reason you'd probably want more carolina hurricanes there Especially for the skills competition, is their money. They, they win whatever their event in every year. Uh, I believe that's three years in a row with Aho okay. and Slavin winning the accurate shot and then Svetch winning the fastest skater, which is really funny because he was getting bashed online that he had like, he was like the slowest guy in the thing and then he wins it yeah. pretty convincingly. Um, As the guy that tried the hardest. Tried naturally. the hardest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like powerful yeah. strides, man. Like, yeah. but that speaks to like wanting to represent yourself well. And to me, that's a, um, Organizational identity thing, which shines through um, it, it from the Carolina Hurricanes, from Rod all the way down.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And going back to your previous point, the only issue I would have with like a nation's contest, I think. Uh, we would have, we'd have to go back and look at all of the different All Star. How do you split it up? Yeah, yeah, and like, and then you're talking about like adding a guy that maybe isn't deserving because he fills out the team. Well, for what a do you nation. think
1: about getting rid of the every team deserves one representative? 100. percent that's, that's a no dumb.
0: brainer. That's the dumbest yeah. thing ever. I understand from their standpoint why they're doing it because they want every market to be interested in what's going on.
1: But are you really interested if your guy's not? Yeah, worthy of I, being yeah. there
0: i think the all-stars i mean if there's seven guys on one team that are better than the other represented like i would be fine personally i would be fine with Me that
1: and, and for like this includes that the dark ages period with the canes where they probably shouldn't have had all star 90 percent of those years it's like yeah. it's just true
0: yeah and i mean i like the draft concept for the all-star game have captains did you do like
1: a Ryder cup thing almost like
0: yeah, you could do go that.
1: North America versus Europe. Maybe yeah, you
0: could do that as well. I mean, there's a million things that you could do to make it better. Just honestly. whatever they're doing right now is, is not, not the it. best. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, any final thoughts on all-star weekend? That's it. Probably. Okay. Let's go uh, to everyone's, you know, favorite event upcoming, the uh, pending outdoor game uh, stadium series between the Carolina hurricanes and the Washington capitals. Uh, any thoughts on the game or do you want to dive right into the sweaters?
0: Well, the game is going to be the game. I mean, we have to we have to hope that the rain holds out. That seems yeah, like let's, the let's number see the one thing.
1: I, I know we saw the report yesterday that um, rain's supposed to be moving in through the 16th and 17th, and maybe even the morning of the 18th, um, which should be fine for the actual contest. But to me, that feels a little tight. <laughs> <laughs> um and now looking at it now we're looking at a potential for should hey right now projecting weather channel app says 50 degrees low of 32 4% chance of rain that's a plus. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, that's a plus. We'll take that every time. So as long as the weather holds uh should be a great event. I know we're going to be out there tailgating early. Um sounds like, you know, there's a few things going along with the event. I'm curious to see how the field has set up. You know, there was rumors that they were going to have like a concert or a DJ on the field while the game's going on. Um, excited to, or maybe not excited, interested to see what that looks like sure. when it comes to fruition.
0: There is a lot of negative space when they do these outdoor games because the fields they're doing them on are generally large, much larger. So you're so,
1: telling me a hundred yards is longer than two hundred feet?
0: <laughs> Based on my quick math okay. calculations, yes.
1: Dead. Um, my,
0: for me, I don't have an issue with filling in some of that dead space as long as it's used in a manner that doesn't distract from the game and doesn't take away sight lines, which I think is more challenging than you'd think for, especially the people that are sitting in the, probably the first 10 rows of the right. lower bowl.
1: Yeah. I'm curious to see what the, um, the sight lines do end up being like, um, you know, we went through the process of, of earlier on talking about how the the purchasing process went, but you saw in the pricing in doing that, like you could get the bottom ten rows for significantly less, and that at first kind of struck me as like, oh wow, that's the best buy. But then you think about it, you're like, are you gonna be elevated enough to really see anything? And so, uh, curious to how that goes. I, I think those may be what we would describe as more experiential seats in the end, um, but that will not be our vantage point. So regardless, excited to be there, excited to tailgate um, and just going to be an unbelievable weekend in a celebration of hockey here in the triangle.
0: Absolutely. I think it should be an awesome time. We certainly know how to tailgate in North Carolina and I expect a pretty rowdy crowd out there. And I mean, let's see how it all shakes out. I mean, finding everybody out there is going to be so challenging, like trying to arrange groups being in the same place. It's going to be a lot of people. And I think,
1: well, people just want to see cowboy Mike. I mean, that's all they
0: want. Never heard of him. (laughs) Um,
1: So initial thoughts, can we even say initial thoughts on the sweater? It's very clearly the same one that was leaked almost three years ago at this point. Uh, To me, that's a, that's a little disappointing. I understand why now, when you pull the entire ensemble together, I, you know, I think they made some bold choices with the helmet and the pants. Uh, you, you never see a logo like logos that large on the pants that the helmets, I think are really cool when it all comes together. I'm a big fan The the sweaters are what they are. Um, I, I would have, like I said, hope they would have done a little bit more since these clearly were leaked, you know, years and years ago, um, for the initial iteration of when this game was supposed to be played in 2020. Um, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in the sense that they probably could have done a little bit more with the jerseys. But when I step back and look from it, look at it, let me say from a sales a sales standpoint, I can't talk right now. You you know the helmet and the pants, you're not going to be selling any of that to fans. So if you're going to be more conservative in any aspect, it probably makes sense to make the jersey. I agree. So it. it may open up the door for more sales with that being said i've i've heard a lot of people that don't like the jerseys i don't
1: dislike them i don't i I think they're going to look good on the ice i think the thing comes together really well um they they're a little bit reminiscent of the current black jerseys if you look about like the complementary elements with the north carolina flag and then the you know heather at the bottom it's gray on this jersey and uh, the current black jersey—it's that Heather Storm. I forget they have an actual name for it, but it's red. Uh, I, I love the uh, Hurricanes logo—the the black on red. I think that's super sharp-looking. Um, you know, people have their opinions on the you know, current bullseye Hurricane logo. Um, sure. I think I'm on record saying I'd like to see them switch to the primary flag logo. Um, but if they ever going to change, I, I think even doing this simple like color change makes the hurricane logo better. I, I like yeah. the black on red. I think it's pretty sharp. It looked great a few years ago when they had it on the helmet. I, mm-hmm. I'm all in on that logo. Um, I, I think my only major complaint, um, is how this whole thing was rolled out. You know, sure. they, it, the jerseys aren't officially released until January of what? 20, on January 26th, uh, obviously a coordinated effort with Adidas and the NHL. Um, but in the, idea and acknowledgement of the fact that these are the jerseys that were going to be released for the initial, you know, stadium series matchup. Um, Really no excuse uh, to not have these jerseys readily available for purchase so people can have them for the actual game on the 18th of February.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting strategy. And we had talked about it previously on the podcast and said, maybe they want, to sell more of the 25th anniversary jerseys beforehand, like have those be the Christmas gift as opposed right. to... And,
1: and they did release a ton of jerseys this year. They
0: yeah, did. and but for me, the issue is... And you can buy a customized jersey today. It's going to be, if you want to wear it at the game, you're going to have to buy a, a Fanatics jersey. The issue with me, or for me, is that the Fanatics jerseys are definitely... A much lower quality in every single fashion, and it's unfortunate because it's not like you're getting a fanatics jersey at a steep reduction in price. It's still a two hundred dollar jersey. Yeah,
1: I mean we we've talked about this, and you never want to you know question or you know people's financial situations are personal, and you never want to you know talk about that. Um, You would just think for the quality that if you're going to spend let's say $200 for the Fanatics jersey, which does come with the patches and things, which is, you know, nice. And then you can get it customized. Um, that's all well and good, but you know, it's not going to hold up and you only need to spend like $60 more, uh, to get the authentic one. It just, to me, the pricing on that seems a little, um, you know, like you're trying to gouge people a little bit. Yeah. Um, and maybe the idea is that you're getting the patches and the customization. But um yeah, that that's always kind of been a flaw the entire way with traditionally you can get the stadium series for, for or the fanatics for like 180 and a regular jersey costs 260 or 270. Significant, but to me it's always been worth the price to pay a little bit more because the quality they hold up so much longer. Um something to definitely revisit but I think that's kind of a moot point when we get into next year and whoever adopts the uh yeah. becomes the primary sponsor for the league. Yeah. Well,
0: they, yeah. it's not only that they hold up better too. It's that the actual art of the Jersey is a much higher quality. Whereas the way they put it together on fanatics is close to what the authentic Jersey looks like, but the color might be a little bit off or the sizing of certain things might be a little bit off and all that stuff. And, At the end of the day, the quality you're getting out of the Adidas jersey, in my opinion, is much higher. And I think the Adidas jerseys look a pretty solid amount better this year in terms of I've seen some Fanatics jerseys. Yeah, I mean, people,
1: as soon as they were released, you you had people within the building rocking the Fanatics jersey. And so, you know, from afar, they look good. I think up close, you can kind of tell. I mean, that's the that's the case with all the Adidas versus the Fanatics stuff. But. Yeah, I mean, it just seems kind of, I don't know, questionable the whole way to not make your primary, your higher priced item available for purchase. First. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> like this game snuck up on anybody. Like, we've known this was happening for a yeah. while. Um, maybe they were worried about the demand in the Adidas jerseys with the customiz- customization just take that much longer to process, but... You know, we've heard from a number of people and, and even seeing it ourselves, like the Adidas ones for the stadium series won't be in until what mid-March. I yeah. think it's like March 10th was like what I'm yeah. seeing on the what report. And it's like, I, I mean, like I did it, but and I don't feel good about it now. No, I wanted to wear it. <laughs> I wanted to game. wear it. Yeah,
0: 100%. <laughs> and another angle to look at it is maybe since the Fanatics is a definite lower quality, Maybe they are making a little more money on Fnatic. Yeah, so maybe it does. More. Maybe it does make sense, truly. I bet Fanatics you their margin
1: on this one, since they're charging a little more than they do for it the typical Fnatic. Yeah, substantial. Uh, and people are making that decision because they want to have it for the game. Um, and if that's you know, the case, good. Maybe we're yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just mad because yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, of what we. Like. You know, at the end of the day, this is very much a uh, first world entitlement problem, and uh, we're kind of yelling at the clouds. One hundred percent. The the world will go on, we'll have a great time, whatever, regardless of what we're wearing. And one uh, of our
0: many other drinks.
1: Jer- <laughs> it's, it's I don't know. It's just people uh have expressed it to us, so it's nice yes. to kind of speak it uh 100%. onto our little platform here. So any other final thoughts? Outdoor game. Do you do you like the caps sweaters? Um, no. It's not I, for yeah. me. I, I get why people could like them. It's a bold option. And that's what
0: the outdoor games are supposed sure. to be. So, especially uh,
1: the stadium series. Yeah. yeah. I don't, think they're,
0: I don't think they're horrible, actually. I saw a lot of takes where people were like, they're horrible. I don't think they're horrible. I think you probably could have done better, yeah. especially with all the stuff. So this is where the reverse retro comes back to haunt you a little bit. I would have loved to have seen them oh, yeah. go back yep. to the classics on these jerseys a little bit. But the reverse retro kind of bites you in, in the butt when you have an outdoor game, a reverse retro, a home and away. A third. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It quickly kind of dilutes what you can do. You
1: know, I think the sweater is, um, you know, it's a choice. I I don't like or dislike it. It, It's fine. Um, I will say when you put all the elements of the uniform together, I like the Canes one better. I think for a one for one, you could kind of compare the sweaters. And if you wanted to go one way or the other, I wouldn't like fight you on it too much. Uh, but when the Carolina Hurricanes, when you all the elements of what they were, and I think it's going to look really good on the ice uh, under the lights, the black's going to look great on the ice. It'll oh, yeah. Be, um, you know, it's just going to be what a party It's going to be an absolute event. Uh, people are chomping at the bit to, you know, get out there. I, I haven't been this excited for a Carolina Hurricanes game probably since 2000 playoffs in 19. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, clinching versus Montreal was, oh, was Montreal. Or, no, Detroit, uh, New Jersey. Cause they won versus Montreal and yeah. that basically put it as inevitable and they finished it off, beat, uh, New Jersey on like a weeknight and that yeah. finalized it and then got into the playoffs and to see PNC that festive, but it's going to have a similar feel, uh, you know, it's not a playoff game. The stakes aren't that high. It's just a normal game, but, uh, what a celebration of hockey in the area and something that Raleigh has really stepped up for the Canes and these spotlight moments, the, you know two cup appearances, the all- star game being here, the draft being here, uh, Raleigh always rises to the occasion 100 percent looking forward to it okay um let's you know as we start to kind of get to the back half of the show, um, any overarching first half thoughts um, that you didn't touch on in your solo pod last week?
0: Yeah, so I kind of mentioned the team's had its up and down ups and downs, and you know it's it's a building process. Um, you look at the Pacioretty injury, and that kind of changes our whole topic right. of conversation right now. Because originally, you looked at Pacioretty, and that's your trade deadline acquisition, and you're probably looking for maybe a one forward, complementary piece role. as opposed to an impact yeah, piece, yeah, and a and a six seven defenseman just so you have depth,
1: right? And this is Rod basically said as much on Spit and chiclets. Yep. and I think you know, let's keep it focused on the first half for now. But as we talk about trade deadline to finish the show, one thing we need to keep in mind is something Rod said on this podcast was, do you, you know, they asked him, do you expect to make a move? And he was definitive in saying yes, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure has ever, you know, that's not necessarily been the company line. We like this. Yeah. Group. We like it's this group line. has been the company line. So uh he anticipates kind of making a little bit more of an all in, Eh, not even all in. They they will never jeopardize the, the future to win in the present, but um, something I found interesting, he, he thinks something's come down the pike, which is great.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that something will happen. The player we acquire could be anywhere. Greg
1: McKegg, fourth liner. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not what we're looking for. Oh, man.
0: Well, I do miss McKegger, man.
1: Oh, legend. Um, So... As you mentioned, really strong first half, a little bit up and down at times. uh, Finished on another, um, was it eleven game point streak currently, which they're still in the middle of, ten or eleven, something like that. Something like that. After obviously going on a longer one earlier in the season, you know, we're floating around five hundred. Have been in the playoffs literally the entire season, you know, in second or third, and then really after that first long point streak, have surged to the top of the metro and haven't relinquished it. Uh, I I think they're a pretty strong bet to close out, you know, the remaining 31 games that they will win the division once again. Um, Right or wrong. And that's a terrific accomplishment to me. And we've been saying it for over a year now. That's great. But you've won the division. It's time to anything less than an Eastern Conference finals appearance to me is a a really uh, is almost a failure at all levels.
0: A hundred percent. And I think that's the mentality of the players, coaching staff and management. And I think that's why they added a player like Patrietti in the offseason. And I mentioned it on the previous solo pod I did, but the management group and the coaching staff really values getting players in earlier, acclimated to a new system, new teammates, new area where you're living, new home, et cetera, et cetera. So. I would almost think that they're antsy to get something done as we're not a team that generally wants to wait until the trade deadline to get something done. If they do, they will, but they have I think they've found that deadline deals, unless they're studs who are going to jump in anywhere and play lights out, need a little bit of time
1: to get acclimated. You know, I, I think the... So Trotrek and Shea were both deadline day trades um, impactful guys, but I think you saw them really get acclimated and they were better in year two Absolutely. and Shea has gotten better and better. He's phenomenal this season. Um, yeah. I, I think they're on record as saying in Dundon uh, and Tom, uh, Don Waddell in saying this, that if we're going to make a move, we, as you said, we want it to happen earlier. Um, it. it it's a, it's a, honestly, it's a return on investment thing too. The the more games you get out of the asset you acquire, it's it's an opportunity cost. So, um, yeah, they they absolutely, I don't wait for March third is kind of my idea here. Absolutely. They're they're gonna they're feeling things out. Um, and you know you have a whole list here. You got Timo Meyer, Nick Small, it's Adam Henrique, Jonathan Tays, Dylan Larkin, Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny, Vlad Teresinko, <laughs> Baba right. Ryan O'Reilly. Um, and, and if you do a few defensemen, my bold prediction, which is 0% bold, if you know anything about that team, this team is, it'll be none of those guys. It'll 100%. be a guy that we are not considering that is not on, you know, the trade boards and, you know, the what hot 30 or whatever they call it. Um, the TSN trade chart, um, it's going to be off the radar. And to refer back to Shea and Trocek from a few years ago, it's going to be something kind of like that in my mind. A guy uh, that has some term, that's cost-controlled, that can come in and fill uh, either a you know top-4 D-caliber player or a second-line center is kind of what I have my eyes on. Uh, just kind of fill things out and beefing up the lineup.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, we spent pretty solid portion of time this offseason looking up who might be ads for the canes and then patch comes out of left field you, you got burns though yeah we, we like we got some some right but i mean you, you can really dig through rosters and really try to think from their angle and we don't have the pro scouting reports that they have we don't have the data analytics they have so we don't know who they see as the diamond in the rough or who is the most cost-effective player, like right. a Max Domi. When like the, these guys, yeah, like, they, that wasn't on, it wasn't radar, on anybody. Yeah. Like that wasn't what any of us expected to happen.
1: You mean two goals in game seven, Max Domi. Yeah. That's, Legend. What, we, that's what we paid him for. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I will say kudos to you, Um I guess, literally like four hours after you released our our last pod, uh, Beau Horvat was not traded to Carolina, as you uh, prognosticated. He was traded to, uh, from Vancouver to the Islanders for Anthony Beauvillier, uh, rete and a conditional first that's top 12 protected. Subsequently, the Islanders signed Horvat to an eight-year 8.5 AAV contract, which takes him through his 36-, 37-year-old year Guys, as Mike said last week, I mean, that's just something Carolina was never going to do. As much as Bo Horvat would really help this team, it's just not the kind of move they're going to make, and they're not going to extend a guy that's not homegrown, especially uh, into their mid to late 30s. just not going to happen. Not for a top dollar. Um, organizational philosophy says no.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Lou joked that he wouldn't even be alive to see the end of the deal. And when he was asked about the deal, he said... It was for too long and for too much money, and just, and I mean that's just not the mentality of the Hurricanes. And that's have. fine
1: for some, and some teams have done that and, yeah. and to great success. Carolina just will never leverage the future for the present. It's just not going to happen, well, and, yeah. and that's okay. Like I, I've hated on that, but the longer I've seen it go on, and and hey, check back in with me in, in May and June, and if they they don't go to the Eastern Conference Final, if they don't win a cup. You know, I'll probably once again be sitting here in July and August going, it's time to do it. It's time to do it. Sure. But they're just, they're just not going to. And you listen to every interview that Waddell, uh, Rod, or uh, Dunn didn't do. It, it's just not the philosophy, and that's, that's okay. Um, I've come to terms with it. I, I think if there ever was a year to do it, this is probably it. You're sitting here at 32-9-8, first place in the Metro, second-best le- record in the entire league on another elongated point streak. It's not a necessity. I mean, this team's flying into the playoffs regardless. But as we've talked about and gone deep dives on you know, in the summer, you got a lot of, lot of contracts coming up, up here in the next two years, a lot of people that are you would consider core assets. Um, what we know of this team could be drastically different in three years. Uh, with the people you're building around, I think you almost owe it to these guys to make it not an all-in move, but add a piece maybe that is cost-controlled uh, that can come in and really, um, you know, make an impact—not just this year, but for the next couple seasons. You know, I, I read off some names earlier. There's two I think we need to talk about, with the caveat being that it's probably not going to be either of these guys, but I, th- I think they're. Nice case studies for players we need to hone in on as the deadline approaches. Excuse me. Um, First, uh, Arizona center, uh, Nick Smaltz, signed four years at 5.85 million AAV. Uh, Right shot center, which is a huge plus. Um, I think he's a great add. My concern, and and you were the first to point this out, uh, has traditionally struggled struggled in the faceoff dot And that's generally a no-go for Rod. Yeah, it's
0: generally a no-go. And it kind of goes back to the point I made on the last podcast of why we don't see the Natchez at center experiment is you're going to need to be in that 50% range. That's what you've seen historically with Rod as the coach. Every guy that we've ever had play center for an extended period of time is a 50 plus percent guy. And it's a huge strength, especially when you're a team that values possession and forechecking and everything like that. Winning faceoffs makes your life a lot easier, makes special teams a lot easier. So maybe what would work is bring him in. The issue is his strong side would be the same as a Natchez, so you can't really yeah, play Yeah, so you'd, that. Have
1: to, you'd have to mix up your your current lines, um, maybe you know flip-flop, turbo, and Natchez or something like that. Sure. So you get the right-left split that Rod you know, basically mandates that every line has a right face-off guy and a left face-off guy. Um, you t- totally see that. I, I just think when you look in the like prism of what Carolina has done from a trade standpoint – uh, Nick Spaltz, although I don't think he's a, as good as Trocheck, uh, is highly reminiscent to me because it's a cost some cost controlled guy in his mid twenties that can play up and down the lineup that offers you a little bit of positional flexibility at a really solid AAV, and I've, yep. he plays for a, a team that's selling, so Absolutely. Like, that that doesn't hurt the cause when you're trying to make a move. Um, the antithesis to to Smaltz and the other guy I think we need to talk about, a player that does excel in the face-off dot with a career face-off percentage over 52%, a uh, player that's been a point-per-game player roughly the past two years and has only ascended despite you know pretty difficult circumstances around him, elongated rebuild in Detroit. Their current captain, uh, Dylan Larkin, is an absolute stud and a guy that, to your point, uh, could potentially even be aho insurance but the reason he's not your traditional carolina hurricanes um you know trade deadline or even you know player that they would target is because right now he's a rental and if you are going to extend him despite him only being 26 years old it's going to put him uh in that you know probably 9 million plus until his mid 30s and that just doesn't feel like something they're going to do and I, I doubt detroit deals him under the understanding that, oh, you're going to pay rental prices for a guy that we probably view as a cornerstone asset. We're just going through contract negotiations at this point. Uh, It feels like that's going to get done. I can't imagine um, them letting him walk out the door. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Dylan Larkin? Yeah, so Larkin
0: for me is probably the only guy – that I would be willing to give up Seth Jarvis for on that entire board. I agree with you. And I say that because number 1, he matches the window. Number 2, like you mentioned, I see him as Aho Insurance. If you can line those guys up at 1 and at 2 and you have Aho at 10-ish million somewhere in that range and you have Larkin at 9-ish million you're gonna be very good for five, six, seven, maybe eight. Maybe he aged. Maybe they age like a Bergeron. You know, that's the thing is, you're willing to take a risk on a player like Aho that's consistent, a player like Larkin that's consistent. You bring Larkin onto the best team he's ever played on in his career, and then all of a sudden, like, it's worth it
1: if you get five, six years of an amazing run. Absolutely. And that's why I'm kind of saying here, I I know it goes against this philosophy. I'm being redundant. It goes against philosophy, but that's the kind of guy at the right age that even if the last two years of that deal stink, it's worth it for the window to me. And if that means you probably end up losing one of Shea or Pesci, I'm okay with that because I think what you have coming – uh, in the pipeline, defensively, is there in a year or two uh, with Morrow and others, um, and so you can never have too much offensive juice. And I think the scheme defensively has been proven year over year. It's almost a player uh, analogous. So it doesn't doesn't matter. Like whoever they put back there, the defensive metrics are, are always top notch. Um, you know, other than maybe from a Opportunity, you know, what's what's the stat? Um shots not scoring chances against are normally pretty high, but everything else is normally very low and uh, suppressed. Um to me, I, I just he's 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 the one. And it's what he does to a native and a Svetch who are producing at a very high level with let's say inadequate center play and I don't think you can win a cup with Stasny or Kokaniemi as your second line center.
0: Yeah, and I I would agree with that statement. It's it's interesting. Obviously, if that trade happens, it's highly likely that Seth Jarvis is in the package going out. So, you're looking at having Aho, Larkin as your 1 and 2, and then the question is who jumps up the ranks to be the other winger and it's without a doubt, the top six immediately becomes drastically better. Right.
1: And well, it, Hey, not to his fault. We've seen a lot of guys struggle in their second year. It's a very common thing. A sophomore slump is real. Um, I also just believe that pairing blank winger with Aho and Tara Vinen or, you know, Svech and Larkin and whatever line of the two, you want to play Natus on it. You're going to, like it's so much harder to find centers that it is to find, you know, uh tertiary wingers that can step into a top 6. And d- making this Larkin move, I don't think would preclude you from adding another depth winger that could score and could sure. be additive. And they have guys playing, you know, lower in the lineup that that can step up and, you know, to play top 6 minutes. Uh, you know, your favorite player uh Jordan Martin comes to <laughs> mind guy I most want to have a beer with that, i mean no him or burns i mean no doubt uh, burns would scare me i think
0: he seems like an like an intimidating guy and he's been labeled as very quirky and i would just feel like i just feel like he'd overwhelm me i feel like martin would just rip, rip oh, well, some yeah, sodas with yeah, the boys yeah for sure yeah
1: he, he's about
0: it i think i'd have a more in, uh, like if he wanted if burns wanted to take us out hunting like I'm sure, <laughs> might end up punning you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now this is the real game of my life. Most dangerous game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just center depth is, is so vital to yeah, to 100%. winning cups, and you know depth scoring is easier to find on the wings. I, I just
0: and you don't even necessarily have to go find a wing. It could it could simply be like you've seen with a guy like Sidney Crosby where Gensel is the young guy pulled up. Yeah. And it's kind of what I'm alluding
1: thing, to. It's like these centers with a, an elite winger on the other side, make the other guy. Like
0: yeah, it could be a Jameson Reese. It could be a gunner. It could be Drury playing wing. It just has any could requisite
1: be, level of skill and be yeah. in the right place. And you're going to yeah. you know, basically just don't mess it up. Um, it would, it would hurt to see Seth Jarvis go, uh, you know, I, Last year, it's so funny. Him and Natchez are are so uh, similar to me in the fact their career trajectory. um, Natchez, forget that, you know, eight-game stint. His true rookie year comes back in his primary rookie year the following. And, you know, it flashes a lot just like Jarvis did. I think Jarvis probably uh, featured a little bit more in his rookie season. Uh, Natchez lagged the following year. Jarvis is lagging the following year. One thing I will point out, Jarvis has gotten a lot more opportunity to play at the top than Natchez did 100%. in that period, which is a little concerning to me. Um, I, I do think the lack of physicality is, is a problem, but trust the kid, trust the demeanor and, and kind of his overall skill set in his work that he'll get it done. Um, But I don't think either guy um, – I'd be willing to bet more on Natchez at this point just because we've seen it more – but I don't think either guy is a Dylan Larkin. Like, Dylan Larkin yeah. is a better player, plays a more, you know, valuable position, and he fits the window better. It just sure. – it it's – hate to say it's time, but it, it's kind of time. And, I, you know, I mentioned that we might lose a, a Pesci or Shea over this. There's not a non-zero chance that we don't lose one of those guys anyway. Anyways, sure. So – um that's kind of where I'm at beating the table for uh Dylan Larkin. If not, I would be fine with adding a Smoltz. Um I don't you know the cost there is not gonna be prohibitive uh, prohibitive at all. Uh any other names you'd like to talk about? I mean, Timo Meyer
0: is the big one that everyone talks about. See, he's
1: the one I think the price is just gonna the be. The
0: price big. has come out of what the rumor is, is that it's a first round pick. An A prospect and two B prospects.
1: So similar to the Horvat trade?
0: It, it's a similar level, yeah, for sure. Um,
1: I just don't see Carolina doing that. I mean, maybe they would. I, if Timo th- the Myers problem with extended, Timo Mar is the qualifying offer is $10 million, Yeah, if which he's is ex- insane.
0: If he's extended, but it sounds like the camp is looking for 8 by $9 million or something like that. And the question is, like, can you justify paying a guy that money before he's played a game in your system and thus have him be the highest paid winger over an Andre Svechnikov?
1: Yeah, if if I'm gonna do that, I if I'm gonna make the move, to me it's it's gotta be at center. I mean that yeah. that, that that's the weakness. And, and I think know, it's He can Larkin. play a little bit and, and that's why yeah. Larkin just makes so much more sense to me. Also, you've seen Larkin play his whole career in the East. Yeah. I, I worry about um,
0: playing in a weaker West, weaker in a West Pacific specifically.
1: Yeah, that's you know not nearly the quality in a team that you know San Jose really hasn't been in contention for a number of years, despite how sure. good they were for large swaths of the 2000s. They've really they've been playing in any meaningful games. I think sure. that matters. It's hard to amp up, and you know not that Detroit's been world beaters at all, but they've been better this year, and sure. it's clear as the captain of that team. He is a primary driver of showing up every night. His two-way game has gotten exponentially better. You know, used to be a little bit of a liability. Um, Now he's both sides. He feels a little bit like a hurricane to me, and he also smokes the canes when he plays them, so maybe I'm a little skewed there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I think if you end up with Timo Meyer, I think he'll be great. I mean, what he brings, uh, he's already at 30 goals this season. He's going to play both sides of the puck really well. Physical. He's almost he's like reminiscent of Nino a little bit. Yeah. But he would be playing higher in your rotation obviously, probably first line. Um yeah, I mean, you're happy if you get either of those. Yes. I think if you're going to If you're going to pay the price, I think Larkin is the price you're looking to pay. I think not only the insurance, but it also sets the bar. Ajo's going to be paid more than Larkin most likely anyways so you're not really running into that scenario and it locks down a number one center and if Ajo leaves in free agency then you're looking at potentially going one Larkin if Natchez improves Mm -hmm. at face-offs which we've seen historically that takes a couple years
1: you you were pointing this out before we got on he's not out of the range face-off percentage wise of someone that's Completely lost. I mean, no, he actually trends on a path line that another year or two of steady progression, then he's right aligned with 100%. what you'd want
0: to see 100%. He certainly can become a center. And I mean, you could have Larkin, Natus KK, who's gonna blossom into a defensive center, just yeah. like Jordan Stall. He, he's
1: your Jordan Stall insurance. um I know yeah. people want more from him, and I think he's flashed recently, but. That's What he is, I mean, he's going to
0: be a 40 50 guy point guy at his peak, but he's going to be top five defensive centers in the league long term and
1: 4.8 or whatever it is. AAV for that is an absolute party. in five, six, seven, eight it's, years. It's, Mike, yeah. it's just people have, uh, you know, their expectations were skewed. You know, they, they, they see former third overall pick, um, guy that should be X, Y, and Z. Okay, he's not those things, but he's a super solid player with some uh still projectable upside that's incredibly young, that can play that two way game, uh be a complimentary asset on offense, and he's I think he can really need to develop him to be a shutdown guy defensively. So if he's your long term uh third line center, I, I think that's A plus.
0: Yeah, and and the reality is he did start his career in a place that's notorious for not being good at developing players. And I mean, it's as simple as his skating stride and, the, and multiple other factors, things that just weren't worked on
1: confidence. They rushed him. Yeah.
0: There, there was tons of things that just weren't worked on until he got to Carolina. You're seeing improvement from game one as a hurricane. till now he's improved oh as a skater. Yeah. 100%. His don't confidence tell the box score
1: stats that – or box score uh, scouts that. Uh, sure. They don't want to hear it. But it's he true. looks significantly better. Um, it's just we need to recalibrate a lot of people's expectations for what he's going to be. This guy's yeah. not scoring 70 points, Just not going to happen. But if yeah. he can be in the 40 to 50 range most years of his career playing a specific role, yeah. all for it. He could
0: – his peak is a, is a second-line center, His realistic – position at this point is probably a dominant third line center like what Jordan Stahl rounded out to be in Carolina.
1: Yeah, and I think that if Carolina is one one thing I I will push back on a little bit is I think his ceiling is a second line center. I agree with that. What I push back on is if this team has the aspirations that we think it does and the ceiling that we hope that we're hoping to see uh, in the postseason, he can't be that for this team going into May or June. Like, no. If, not if, this year. if he Absolutely is playing yeah. in that role, which he's kind of been flip-flop flopping with Paul Snasty, or if Paul Snasty is the guy playing in that role come the playoffs, I, I think we're looking at it an underwhelming playoff, you know, disappearing act. I would love for him to be that fourth-line guy for at least one more year in the playoffs. Really, I mean, that fourth line should brutalize some people 100%. Uh, in limited ice time. Um, and, and, and the that third line. Really and if you have Larkin on I mean, yeah, you should like really
0: it, have a dominant It comes
1: together group. when you have a true second line center. It really does. Yeah, and this team has played stretches without,
0: t- without Turbo. With turbo underperforming, without Aho, without Swaven without Freddie Anderson, this team has played Bro, the, a chunk of its season. The beat goes on; they don't and stop. It, and there's no no change in the game.
1: It's it's really impressive. It's a testament to where you know what Rods built and the culture. Um, it, it's exciting to watch. I, I just feel like, hey, it's time, baby. Like like, 100%. let's go. Like make make the move. Uh, With you know, you can do that without jeopardizing your future. Like you don't want to be in a position where they're trading their first round pick and not having a first round pick for multiple years in a row. But they've done such a great job of at asset um, accumulation. Um, They've drafted really well in the second round and on. The pipeline is super deep. I think they had like the Athletics' twelfth graded uh, farm system, so to speak. But they talked about how from three through 25 they might be the deepest in the entire league sure P- people are coming like it, it's they just don't have that top 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 well, caliber that's, that's because what's gonna ha- it's not going to happen when you're but they picking, don't need it because you it.
0: have it in your nhl team well, and Mark, those yeah.
1: guys graduated right Svesh graduated jarvis Natchez, those guys have graduated recently uh the first round picks you have definitively hit on um But to have that organizational depth, that's what gives you this opportunity to go out and make that, hey, we'll give a late first Jarvis and a prospect for Larkin. And hopefully that's not a rental, but if it is, okay. Like we can uh, figure something else out. You know, this team's always working on uh, different ways of thinking. So even if it's not Dylan Larkin, I think you just need to have that concept of who can be the second line upgrade uh, as much as I like Vincent Trocek, I, I would hope it would be someone uh, maybe with a little bit more scoring ceiling because sure. uh, that's kind of <sighs> it. To me, it's so much not even about that guy, it's making sure, especially Natchez and Svetch have an opportunity to excel in the playoffs. And yeah. what you've seen is when you've split up Svech and Aho, what I'd call your two pillar guys and uh, the forward group, that in the playoffs, they kind of get isolated and, and negated yeah. out. And, you know, Svech can be such a great play driver. All the metrics love him, especially from the wing, but it gets really hard to do that in the playoffs. But if you put a legitimate, you know, borderline, first-line caliber center to play with him, that's not 100%. Sebastian Ajo, who Ajo is driving his own line. It's yep. a pick-your-poison thing, and then you got to mess around with Stall on the third line and maybe KK on the fourth line, and no one wants to play against that.
0: Oh, you're rolling out. You're rolling out a team that if they're playing at the top of their game the mo- like the most dangerous tandem of forwards in the league from it, top to bottom from top, from to, from top, top bottom. to bottom
1: yeah it, it's top 6 might not be 1-1 one, one, but 1 through 12 and they're going to no grind doubt.
0: you down over a 7 game series
1: no doubt and, and you just need that elite upside and that's why it hurts to lose Patches because that guy was exactly what you would look for yeah. you know he's not a center but man e- even in just the 5 games it was yeah. apparent that uh, that dude was deadly and I I don't know what it's going to look like. Apparently, he really loves it down here. I I I don't know if there's much data on if guys come back from two Achilles tears, Um, but I would love if they would you know find some way to do a one year prove it on a low cost.
0: And if it doesn't work and he's injured again and it's LTIR or if you know,
1: um, but I think that's a win-win for both sides guy is simulated into the team super quickly and he's clearly very dangerous even even if the skating doesn't come back because of the achilles like the shot isn't going away yeah um but i don't know i think that's a really we probably went a little bit more in depth on the trade deadline stuff that we have been to we haven't gotten together for a while so we're kind of you know filling it up here uh, getting a little long-winded uh, any final thoughts? Got Rangers this weekend after, yep. geez, almost ten days off. Nice break, break, break to and, get uh, healthy. Yep. Saw some of uh, the players on your flight back from Mexico. Yeah. Mike was down there partying with the boys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can't release those those interviews.
1: <laughs> um. Any, anything else?
0: No, I think exciting times ahead. Stadium series should be awesome. We'll probably either get it out an episode before or right after that. Um, definitely one after it to recap it, but exciting stuff ahead.
1: Yeah, man. Pump. Great to talk to you again and get out in front of the – our rod the podcast faithful. Y'all have a good night.
0: Go Canes.